It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka Sound Sacro herring fishery opened again on Monday and Tuesday, and so far the catches aren't as dramatic as they have been in previous years. According to a press release from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, the fleet caught around 1,250 tons during the seven-hour opener on Sunday. Fishing has been taking place in parts of Hayward Strait and Crustoff Sound. Area management biologist Aaron Dupuis says Monday's catch was around 1,500 tons. Estimates are not yet available for Tuesday's catch. But add that to what Saners caught on Saturday, and so far fishermen have caught over 5,000 tons of herring in this year's fishery. Two test sets were conducted on Monday with average weights near 120 grams and 12 percent mature roe. The state has set a guideline harvest level at 33,000 tons, but it predicts the fleet will only catch around 20,000 due to a smaller fleet size and less processing power this year. So far, ADF and G aerial surveys have not reported any spawning activity. A state environmental official shared takeaways last week from a draft air quality study of cruise ship emissions. The state was trying to measure their impact in downtown Juneau from data collected in 2019. The quick version is that downtown Juneau generally has good air quality, and cruise ship emissions didn't threaten the city's good standing with the Environmental Protection Agency. But we definitely could see short-term impacts as a result of cruise ship emissions. Kale Overcast is a chemist with the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation. He says those air quality impacts usually lasted an hour or two. A lot of sleuthing went into that conclusion. Assessing cruise ship impacts turned out to be quite difficult. And uh, we are really, really fortunate to have stumbled upon webcams that were provided by the snow cloud. Without that footage, we would have had a very difficult time determining where any of these uh, spikes what the sources were. Spikes in unhealthy particulate matter that sensors around downtown Juneau collected that summer. The connections to smoke from wildfires in Canada and interior Alaska that summer were easy to figure out. But the webcams helped Overcast and his colleagues spot super localized sources like bonfires, shifts in wind direction, debris burns from Douglas, backyard fish smoking, and even food carts in Marine Park. Our city hall site was located just north of very delicious Filipino barbecue vendors. And I'm sure those in City Hall could smell it uh, on days when the winds were blowing the right direction. And uh, we saw that. We saw consistently days where our sensor at City Hall would be much higher than anywhere else. The variability from hour to hour made generalizations hard. They had to examine data day by day. The only times air quality got bad in downtown Juneau that summer was when wildfire smoke blanketed the region. DEC planned to keep collecting air quality data last summer without cruise ships to get a baseline. They switched to fewer but more robust sensors. He says the department plans to make the 2020 data and their analysis available this summer. They'll continue collecting data this summer, too. The study was a response to a glut of citizens' complaints about cruise ship emissions in 2017 and 2018. The cruise lines also changed some of their practices in response. How much will Alaskans receive in permanent fund dividends this year? As the legislature works its way through the annual budget process, the answer to that question is once again unclear. A new factor shaping the debate this year is the large amount of federal money coming into the state. Alaska Public Media and K2OO's Andrew Kitchenman reports. 
Alaska's legislators will have to decide whether to pay the roughly $3,000 dividends proposed by Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy or a smaller amount. Over the past five years, PFDs have ranged from just under $1,000 last year to just over $1,600 the year before. Nome Democratic Representative Neil Foster notes that paying a smaller number would help maintain the Alaska Permanent Fund's earnings reserve. Money from the reserve pays for both dividends and state government services. We've got you know a lot of folks in our caucus that want the smaller reasonable PFD. Um, you know they don't want they don't want to jeopardize the ability to pay PFDs in the future. Uh, they don't want to uh, potentially impact our schools and our roads and our public safety down the road. But Foster says there's another view within the House Majority Caucus. And then there are other folks, you know, who who support the full PFD and and um, you know they say if there's any time you know, to to support one, now's the time during a global pandemic. Until early March, it looked like the state would have to draw more than was planned from the permanent fund's earnings reserve to pay for any PFD. But then Congress passed a pandemic rescue package that includes more than $1 billion that the state government can spend, as well as more than $300 million for Alaska schools. That money could be used to pay for parts of the state budget, and that would allow room for the state to pay dividends. Foster says this money could help, but he doesn't want it to be used to avoid making hard choices about the dividend. We can't allow this federal money coming in right now um, to be an excuse for us to continue to kick the can down the road. Um, We've already done that for a few years now. Foster and other lawmakers hope to forge an agreement on a bigger goal than just this year's dividend they're looking to make a permanent change to the PFD formula in state law. That hasn't happened since the state stopped following the original formula five years ago. Dunleavy has proposed putting PFDs in the state constitution as part of an amendment that would outline rules for the overall annual draw from the fund. Leaders of both the state House and the Senate have expressed optimism that the state can pass a new formula for dividends this year. Soldatna Republican Senate President Peter Michiki says it'll be necessary that any new dividend formula both helps pay for state government and meets the expectations of Alaskans. He says now is the time to do it. Because if you don't do it this year, next year's an election year, and if you think that the legislature has been ineffective on any forward motion on this in the last five years, um, Without any action this year, you will, they will continue that trend on an election year. That's a challenge because finding a way to pay for dividends beyond this year would require broader agreements on issues that divide Alaskans and the state's leaders. Those include whether to cut state services much more deeply, like Dunleavy proposed two years ago, whether to introduce a broad tax, like a statewide income or sales tax, and whether to increase the taxes paid by oil companies. Resolving these differences has proven to be a stubborn problem between a conservative Republican governor, a mostly Republican Senate majority that has sometimes differed with him on policy, and a mostly Democratic House majority. Anchorage Democratic Representative Ivy Sponholz is among those searching for a potential long-term solution. We're going to look at everything. We're going to look at ways to cap the growth of government, spend um, our you know, resources more wisely, um, and we're going to look at new revenue because we need to make uh, meaningful progress. For this year, it's not yet clear exactly how the state can spend the rescue package money. 
The federal government is scheduled to release guidelines on May 10th. That won't leave much time for the legislature to pass a plan for the money before the end of the session. In Juneau, I'm Andrew Kitchenman. It's been more than a year since Canada closed its borders to all but essential travel. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said this month he knows people are antsy for that to change. But I think we're all going to wait patiently uh, until uh, such a time as the health situation allows us to loosen border restrictions uh, internationally. Uh, That'll be uh, eventually, but not for today. So even for Alaskans who've been vaccinated, the policy at Canada's land borders remains as it's been. Drivers going to or from Alaska have to show an essential reason for travel. The severity of the pandemic has been very different between the U.S. and Canada. Kelly Lee believes the border policy is likely to stay in place through the summer months. She's the research chair for global health governance at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia. She says the restrictions protect Canadians from exposure to the higher infection rate in the United States. I don't need to tell you that you've, you know, you've had far more cases. You've had something like 31 million infections. We've had less than a million The two countries also differ in vaccination rates. The U.S. has vaccinated a greater share of its population, while Canada has had trouble acquiring sufficient supply. Despite high hopes for the vaccine, Lee says Canada is still reluctant to change its border policy because of the uncertainty about the vaccine's impact on transmission. If you're vaccinated, you've lowered your risk of getting sick or dying, but Lee says it's not clear that you can't transmit the disease. It's not really... Um, possible for the government to just assume that people who have been vaccinated don't pose a risk to other people. The Canadian government is so far resisting the pressure to lift border restrictions, much of it coming from Canada's border towns and tourism industry. Canada considers travel for work or school to be essential. Alaskans in the lower 48 have also been allowed to transit Canada if they can show they're driving north to go home. Alaskans on essential travel in Canada don't have to quarantine, but they do have to limit their interactions and drive the most direct route. Taking a look at the community calendar. The city and borough of Sitka announces that disconnection of electricity service for non-payment has resumed following expiration of the state emergency declaration and extensions. Customers are encouraged to work with staff to enter into a payment plan to ensure electricity is not disconnected. Email accountsreceivable at cityofsitka.org, call 747-1859, or the Accounts Receivable Office at City Hall. Senator Bert Stedman gives a legislative update at noon today for the Sitka Chamber of Commerce Winter Speaker Series. Call 747-8678 for registration information. And the Sitka Historic Preservation Commission meets at noon today at Harrigan Centennial Hall. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.